0: Hey, everybody. It's Tracy. This is 74 Seconds. Our reporter John Collins is on the way back from the courthouse right now. They have just recessed for lunch. He's going to fill us in on what has been happening this morning. Um, It started early with more testimony from Diamond Reynolds. The prosecution finished questioning her, and the defense started to cross-examine her. So we will hear more about what she had to say as soon as John gets in. And in the second half of the episode, we will hear from our other reporter, Reham Fashir. She will fill us in on another important piece of testimony that we're going to hear today. Officer Joseph Kauser is being called to the stand. He was Officer Geronimo Yanez's partner when the shooting occurred. He was actually there that night. So we'll hear about what he has to say when Reham joins us this afternoon. It's a busy day, so let's just get right to it. All right, I'm here with John Collins. He just got back from the courthouse over the lunch break. Uh, Diamond Reynolds resumed her testimony this morning, and they actually got into the cross-examination, too. The defense asked her questions as well uh, before wrapping up. So what more did we hear from Diamond Reynolds this morning, John?
1: What happened is she continued to sketch out her day.
0: The day of July 6th, right? The The day day of July
1: 6th, the the day of the shooting. I have a quote here from her. Um, You remember in the state of Minnesota no recording devices are allowed in courtrooms so we can take notes and get quotes that way but you're not going to be able to hear her voice saying these things but i want to share it this is what she said her plans were on the night of july 6th so she was going to meet up with Flandor castile and here's the quote we we're going to meet up go get dinner i was going to cook him a birthday dinner and we were going to relax at the house And that's what their plans were for that final day. And that's what they're heading home to do.
0: Okay, so Diamond has now brought us up to the point of the shooting. And then the prosecution asked her questions about what actually unfolded once Officer Geronimo Yanez pulled them over.
1: Yeah, that's right. She was asked how she felt after the shooting during this event. And she said she felt broken, hurt, confused, and lost. And they asked her why she made a video. And this is a direct quote. She said, quote, because I know that the people are not protected against the police. And I wanted everyone to see that if I died in front of my daughter, everyone would know the truth.
0: So this is some really emotional testimony from Diamond Reynolds again in court this morning. And uh, they played her Facebook Live video. They also played the dash cam footage again. What was it like in the courtroom once those videos were played?
1: I mean, the courtroom today was packed with family members from both sides. Again, a lot of media from all over the place. Diamond Reynolds was up on the stand by herself, sitting next to the judge. They turned the lights down, they played the squad cam, and immediately you could hear her her voice catch in the microphone. You could hear her her start to weep at certain points. And this is just watching uh, the squad cam of Philando Castile's car as Officer Yanez followed it. Obviously, there are more intense moments there, and at some points you would hear her break down. The judge reminded the crowd multiple times that there should not be any explicit reactions to what they're seeing in the video, even though it's very intense. Despite that, you did see uh, some people in the crowd break down. There was a a woman at the back of the room who was weeping out loud.
0: All right, so that was the prosecution wrapping up their questioning of Diamond Reynolds this morning. And then the defense had their opportunity to cross-examine her. So what were some of the questions that the defense wanted to ask Diamond Reynolds?
1: So one of the defense's main focuses so far has been marijuana, and that's the marijuana use of Diamond Reynolds, but especially Philando Castile. You'll remember that earlier they argued that Philando Castile is responsible for his own death because he was intoxicated with marijuana, they say. Uh, So it's been a main area of questioning. So they were asking about her history of marijuana use, but also her history of marijuana use with him, where the marijuana came from, and then they connected it to uh, the marijuana that that was found in the car that day, which is 6.1 grams is what they tell us. Um, So a lot of the questions were about who was buying marijuana and how they used it.
0: Was there anything else from the questions that the defense was asking Diamond Reynolds that gives us a window into what they might be arguing or what they might want to say later in the case? Well,
1: they were also really... Targeting her consistency. You'll remember she did a police interview on July 6th. The next morning, she spoke at a rally in front of the governor's house on Summit Avenue. May 5th, she was interviewed again and then May 31st again. And some of the statements they said were not consistent over those four different interviews. So for instance, which are
0: almost a year apart.
1: Yeah, it's a long time apart. And the details that they focused on were uh, at some of the interviews. She said that Philando Castile's wallet was in his left back pocket. and some of them, she said right back pocket. Today, she asserted that it was the back right pocket and that she had misspoke. Um, another thing they focused on was her statements earlier about what Philando Castile was doing when he was shot. She had said earlier that he was reaching for his wallet. And she said this in the video And in the interviews that were after that. And today she said on the stand that he was trying to get his seatbelt off so he could access his wallet. And they cross-examined her for quite a while. And then the prosecutors took over again. And they were able to make the connection that she had said in the Facebook Live video, something that referred to him trying to get his seatbelt off.
0: Okay, let's actually play this bit of tape that the prosecution was referring to here, where Diamond says something about the seatbelt. This is one of the harder pieces of that Facebook Live tape to hear. It comes when her phone has been separated from her, so you can hear her in the distance. You told him to get it, sir. You told him, he tried to tell me to to and He was gonna
1: take it off. Please don't tell me my boyfriend died. You don't deserve this, please.
0: And this is the moment she says he was going to take it off. And the prosecution's argument there is that that's when she was referring to his seatbelt, that he was going to unbuckle his seatbelt to get at his wallet.
1: So that really brought it back. And what the defense was trying to do today was target her consistency.
0: And so they wrapped up questioning of Diamond Reynolds, both the prosecution and the defense This morning, but they could still call her back at some point during the trial, right?
1: That's my understanding.
0: Great. Thank you, John. Thank you, Tracy. Okay, and we're back. It is now 3.45, and more testimony has happened in the trial of Officer Geronimo Yanez. Officer Joseph Kauser took the stand. He's been on the stand for a few hours, and our other reporter, Reham Fashir, actually left the courthouse a little bit early to tell us about what she heard from him today. If you remember, Kauser was Officer Geronimo Yanez's partner at the time of the shooting. He was actually there that night. So Reham, what did we hear from him today when he took the stand?
2: Well, we knew Officer Kauser was uh, Yanez's partner in St. Anthony for at least three years. They'd gone to school together. He testified today that he'd known him for 10 years. Today, we learned that he recently left the St. Anthony Police Department and went to a different department in the Twin Cities. He talked a lot about his use of force um, experience and knowledge, and he's, he's a use of force instructor. So the prosecution used him partly as an expert witness and partly as a key witness who was on the scene of the shooting. Uh, Today, he said he was there as backup. He was there to observe what Diamond Reynolds and other passengers in the car were doing. He wasn't there exactly to watch Philando Castile, um, but he viewed the squad tape in court. The prosecution played it multiple times today. They played it all the way through, almost to the end,
0: and he analyzed parts of
2: that video with the prosecution.
0: So as they were going through the squad car footage, uh, what did you better understand about what happened that night? What what insights did we get from watching this video and having Kowser offer information about it?
2: Well, watching the video in court for, you know, a second and third time, um, you could see different parts of the video that I didn't see the first time that I saw it. And um, today I noticed that as soon as the shots were fired, Couser jumped back and he kind of took cover. And he testified today that he did that because he didn't know what the threat was. He just knew that there were shots fired and he had he was trained to go back and reassess is what he said.
0: So Kowser didn't know that it was his partner, that it was Janes who had fired the shots when he heard them.
2: He did know. Yeah, he did know that it was his partner who fired the shots. Um, but he didn't know exactly if there was going to be a gunfight. That's how he put it, which is why he jumped as far back as he did. We couldn't see where he went from the dash cam. At that point,
0: as they went through the sequence of events that night in the video, did they ask Couser to assess his partner's behavior? Did they ask him to comment on what Yanez was doing that night?
2: They did. And and that's kind of where they used him as the expert witness and also someone who was there. Um, When asked whether this was an appropriate way to conduct the traffic stop, he said, you know, every stop is different and every situation
0: is different. We learned today that Kauser himself is a use of force instructor. Did his expertise play a role in what he had to say in court? Again, he talked generally
2: about what's appropriate and what's not. And, um, for example, when he was asked whether you're supposed to exhaust all other options before using deadly force, he says it depends on every situation Another example that he gave is that if feasible, you're supposed to communicate to your partner before using deadly force. Um, In in this case, that didn't happen. We didn't see that in the squad tape. We didn't see Yanez make any announcement to Kowser. And Kowser said when the shots were fired, he was surprised. He didn't know if he didn't know anything
0: about a gun. He didn't know if Castile
2: had a gun in in the car or not.
0: So we knew ahead of his testimony that Kowser did not touch his gun that night. Is that correct?
2: We knew from the criminal charges that Couser never touched his gun, never pulled his weapon or anything. So it confirms his statement when he says that he was surprised.
0: What did we learn about Kowser's vantage point? He was, like we said, standing behind the car when this all occurred. So what was he able to see of the shooting?
2: Kowser said that from his vantage point, he could see Diamond Reynolds and her daughter. He couldn't See Philando Castile. But he did talk about the movement when he was giving his insurance card to Officer Yanez. He said it seemed normal. It didn't seem like he was making any fast or sudden movements. And when asked to continue to analyze the squad tape to confirm some of the things that the prosecution was saying, he said that that same movement was consistent throughout the whole encounter and he continuously said that he did not know what Castile was reaching for exactly it could have been a wallet it could have been something else that, those were his words in testimony today
0: did anything else strike you about what was happening in court today
2: yeah, under cross-examination, Kauser did say that he um, trusted Yana's, that he believed him to be an honest individual, that he he described him as laid back and a people person. Um, he also testified that Castile continued to move despite being told by Yana's, don't reach for it. He also testified that Yana's uh, did what he was trained to do, to shoot to, until the threat is gone, which is why he shot as many times as he did. He said that He trusted that in that, given the situation,
0: he did the right thing. Thanks, Reham. Okay, so this trial is progressing really quickly. Before it started, we had kind of outlined some of the big moments that we were going to be watching for. And those big moments were the prosecution playing the dash cam footage, hearing from Diamond Reynolds, and hearing from Yanez's partner, Joseph Kauser. All of those things have now happened in a day and a half of testimony. So this is really rolling quickly. We don't know right now how much more time the prosecution will take to present their case but they haven't been bogged down with testimony from experts. They've really been focusing instead on people who were at the scene. So we didn't hear just from Diamond and Cowser. We also heard from a lot of first responders. Uh, we know that starting tomorrow morning, uh, someone who works in the crime lab for the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension will continue her testimony. But again, they're keeping it very focused on the night and the evidence from that night. When they do wrap the case, it will be turned over to the defense, and we'll get to hear more of Yana's side about what happened the night of July 6, 2016. Again, for all the updates about this trial, you can follow us on Twitter at 74 MPR or go to 74Seconds.org. And we will continue to bring you news as it happens. So watch for new episodes because that means we have something to tell you. This podcast is reported by John Collins and Reham Fashir. It's produced by me, Tracy Mumford, and Hans Buto, and it's edited by Meg Martin. Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson. 74 Seconds is a production of Minnesota Public Radio News and American Public Media. Tracy from 74 Seconds, and we wanted to let you know that our colleagues at APM Reports just launched the new season of their award-winning podcast, In the Dark. In this second season, they explore a new story with life or death consequences. It's the case of four people who were killed in a small town in Mississippi, and the story of why a black man on death row has been tried six times for those murders. You can listen and subscribe to In the Dark on Apple Podcasts.